For this episode of Books, Kids, and Creations, I went to Allwood Park in Dayton, Ohio, and met artist Thomas Dambo to discuss his latest creation. Thomas makes trolls out of recycled goods and has them all over the world, and I had the honor of meeting him and seeing his latest piece. Welcome to an outdoor edition of Books, Kids, and Creations with Tracy Bloom, and I am here in the forest with Thomas Thomas Dambo. Dambo, there we are. And yep. um, you are originally from, is it Copenhagen? I'm from Odense, which is a smaller city, around two hours from Copenhagen, but now the last 15 years I've been living in Copenhagen. Okay, wonderful. And so how long have you been over here in the United States working on some of these fantastic projects? I've been working here for around seven months total, in accumulated in all the projects I've done in the United States. But for this project, I've been here now for four and a half weeks. Okay, okay. So. What we're doing out here in the forest um, is kind of finding some of these really cool pieces that you've made. And a lot of them are made out of, or all of them are made out of recycled materials or trash. Yeah. Right? And so they're not just everyday pieces. There are trolls and there are these fantastic things where if you were just out for a walk and you saw one of these giant trolls in the forest, you'd be like, holy crap, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so how do you... How did you come into this, um, you know, be making these things? And how did you get your inspiration? It's uh, like now, like I built 86, or we're working on number 86 right now here in Dayton. And um, I've been making this type of sculptures, the troll sculptures. I've been making them for the last seven, eight years. Um, but I've, I've lived a life with many different, uh, I've been pretty much been only been an artist. So I've been... And first I was a, for two years I was a professional human beatboxer. For awesome. eight years I was a rapper. Really? Um, I made all the scenography, all the music videos, all the merchandise, all the t-shirts, all the, all the, all the posters, the CD covers and all that. I was a graffiti painter. I was a graphic designer. And then I was a consultant for social media in Denmark. <laughs> and, um, then I've always loved to hike and build, and I've always been scavenging uh, things in dumpsters and dump diving food and doing this. And I was raised by uh, two nice hippie parents uh, back in, I'm 42 now. So in my teenage years, it was the hippie days in, uh, in Denmark. So I think all of these things together have kind of like put me on this path of recycling, telling, sto telling stories about sustainability building things and being out in nature and uh, yeah, exploring and making treasure hunts for other people to go and see the possibilities in our trash because I think trash is a really big threat to our existence, it is. but it can also solve a lot of our problems. So it's a matter of how you view it. And I think like big sculptures, they can help alter that perspective. Right. And so what are most of your sculptures made of primarily? So uh, my troll sculptures are made of wood. Yeah. So a lot of pellets and a lot of sticks that we find mm -hmm. around in the forest that we use for hair or, or stuff like that. And then my faces are often made of plywood, okay. like some type of freight boxes or like shelves or furniture or something like that. I have a big studio. I have 15 people working with me in my studio in Copenhagen. And so we organize all the wood and then, but of course we don't bring that wood over here, but like, for projects like whether we can drive around in the, in Europe, then we'll use that uh, wood. Or if we build sculptures and modules that we ship, then we'll use that wood. But yeah. here we source it locally. Very cool. Yeah. 
And so when, when did you build your first troll and how did that, how did the idea for the troll come to you? So the, so there's like, there's like two, two road, two explanations to the troll. The one is that we have trolls in our stories in, in Denmark, because we have, we have the Danish folklore, which have a lot of stories about trolls. So it can be like stories about that uh, a troll is living under your staircase, and if you don't behave good, then it's going to come and steal your pacifier in the middle of the night. Or <laughs> or you're biking up this steep hill, and it's only steep if you were misbehaving to the trolls, because then they'll the invisible pole, troll will pull your, your back of your shirt while you're biking up the hill. And or we have stories about that... Um, that those ponds that lace over those fields, they were created when a big troll were walking there and then those ponds filled with water and that's the footsteps. And it's, it's, it's kind of normal in folklore stories around the world that some of the things that the earlier civilizations were maybe not able to provide an explanation for, right. um, you would um, explain that with some type of folklore, magic and dragons and giants and, giants and yeah. invisible things. And the mountain is actually asleep in giant or all these types of things. So some of the children's books that I grew up with or like the audio books, I was not a big reader, so I still am not, but like I like to listen to audio books. And one of them was called Lilipus and it was about a little naughty troll girl living in the forest in Denmark. And then I've just enjoyed all the same type of fairy tale things, Dungeons and Dragons games right. and and yeah, all the big different types of fairy tale movies and yeah, and, and I like, I've always liked also world building mm -hmm. yeah, so to create my own worlds. So yeah. that's what I did when I was a, when I was a rapper. Like I created this whole fictive world that this whole rap universe was, was yeah. living inside with its own lingo and its own clothes and its own, everything was in, in that style kind of. Yeah. Well, it's all art, you know, it's just yeah. a different way of portraying it. So whether it's physically there in front of you as a giant sculpture or it's something that you take from an idea and you turn it into music it's all you know just different ways of sharing your artwork and who you are so. yeah yeah yes, it's but so that's where the trolls they come from from the inspiration around me like that and then i just like to be in nature and like to tell stories yeah and so once you once you have an idea for one of these do you sketch mm -hmm. it out how what's your creative process like so um for example, when I came here, um, I knew that um, this is a bird sanctuary we're in, and there's an airplane just on the other side of the, of the highway here. We'll probably hear an airplane flying above us like at some point. And then also Dayton has a history of aviation. Mm -hmm. um, so I figured that it seems like this should be something about something with flying in some way. So me and my wife was walking around here, and I had her take photos of me trying to pretend I was a troll, trying to pretend it was a bird. So well, that's kind of like how the creative process yeah. <laughs> started, yeah. you know? And then, um, yeah, then at some point I, I realized that a troll that looked at an airplane would think that the airplane was some type of mythical bird. Right. Because in my stories, my trolls, they represent and are the voice of the plants and the animals. So they... Um, and then the bad guys in my stories are the humans. Mm. So that's that's how my stories are set up. And but the, the trolls they don't have the technology and they're like they're, they're not as advanced as the human race are. 
So because of this, like I'm trying to put myself in the shoes or in the feet of being a yeah. troll and then see what an airplane is. And then, so in the story that um, I've written, there is uh, three trolls that lives in the forest and uh, it's uh, two parents and a daughter. And then the, the daughter, she's really curious in what is around um, the forest, but because she's not allowed to leave the forest. But she has befriended a red cardinal Mm-hmm. And that always flies out to the great outside and comes back and tells her what um, it sees on the, in the great outside. But then one day, the little troll, it sees a big white metal bird flying in a straight line above the forest. Mm-hmm. And, and then she gets super intrigued because a bird that big must have so many interesting stories to tell. Yeah, of yeah. course. So this is like the, how the story sets off. Then the troll finds a big metal egg and then they try to build a bird nest to hatch it. They try to um, learn how to fly. And so so the four different sculptures that I'm building here is all kind of like a snapshot of that story. That story. Yeah. I love it. Thomas then drove us around the park and showed us the sculptures that he's created for this exhibit and gave us a little bit of a history lesson on the park itself. It was like some lady called like something, Marie All, I think it was called. So she had uh, inherited a lot of money hundred years ago or something, and then she made like this this bird out of our farm. Yeah, it's a nice place to get to work. I love it here. For my four feet plastic containers that you use to have anything from kerosene to ketchup inside, and then we just went on Facebook Marketplace, and then I got a lot of those ones, and then we then cut them up into these little bit more organic shapes, so we don't have any squares or nothing on them. Material like something that like a, that a creature with the technology of a troll would have built if it was built with built wings for itself. <laughs> So this will stay in this park for my guess it's somewhere between five and fifteen years. Yeah. And that's sustainability. Now I think that's um well as I see it, it's uh because many people are like, why don't you make them so they can last forever? And as I see it, it's that is the problem. It is that we create things to last forever and then the fashion changes or the, the art changes or the taste of our food or our cutlery or whatever it is, it changes and then we want something new. Right. Um, so when my art is about sustainability, I think I would not be a really good steward of that if I didn't scattered the earth with big sculptures that would last forever and then when I'm gone then everybody else has to deal with that <laughs> crazy guy back in 2000 and somewhat <laughs> that just scattered the earth with all these sculptures you know so yeah maybe it's okay that they disappear again like well it's kind of like they can just return to nature as they were you know it's not like you create some kind yeah. of pollution or problem with trash or anything like that you're actually improving the state of the planet with the work. I don't think that they will just let him compost or degrade (laughs) right there. (laughs) I think that they will probably take them away, but they can at least come back to the container where they came from. Right. And in that way, they haven't created much more of a mess than what they were when they were found as pieces in the box. 
So then when you start constructing these, you have to, you have to do them on site. It's not like you can make them elsewhere and then bring them here. You, you make every single one on site. Yeah. 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 That's the, that's kind of like how we do it because they're so site specific, like this one here sitting on a hill with the lake over a creek. And so it would be a lot of work for, to survey the whole ground and make such a specific drawing and, and that's not fun to build like that, or at least it's not fun for me. I like to just get my hands dirty and start building it and just yeah. doing it on site. It makes it much more enjoyable for me. And that's how I built my fortress as a kid, and that's how I built my sculptures as a big kid. Right. Yeah. Right. And then when you think about you know your legacy and what you represent as a person and as an artist and what you want to pass on to kids um, for future generations, what what are some of those ideas and, and thoughts that like i think like my my main message is that that you can you can save the world without with the same material that's suffocating the world so that same material that's killing the world if you look at that in another way and try and change the way that you use it then that same material can change the world Right. And I think, th and that's why I want to do many sculptures and I want to do big sculptures because that shows the magnitude of the problem and the solution. Right. And so that's the number one thing. And then some of my sub messages is like, don't be so afraid of doing things. Like you can build something so big and so powerful as my sculptures. And we just show up and we build it, you know, and I've had thousands of people helping me build some of these different projects. So I hope some of them will learn how to recycle and learn that it's, it might look really intimidating to build something as big as, and sculpture as big as a house or something. But if you just take small bites and right. then you eventually you'll get there. Um, and then I hope that uh, my art in nature will help reconnect some of the younger generation that is so disconnected from nature because they, they live inside a city and, and inside a computer inside that city. So they're so far away from nature. And I think that will probably be the next really, really big problem that we will be facing. It is why, mom, why should I care about nature? I haven't even been there. Right. What is it? Right. When I was a kid, if you wanted to find me, you'd just look in the woods. Like I'd be up in a tree or I'd be in the creek or, I mean, I was outside all day, every day. And my parents used to have to go look for me and be like, okay, come yeah. in for dinner, please. And then, I mean, but I was always in the forest. Yeah. And I think, I don't know if that was how it was for you growing up, you know, just being in nature a lot. But I didn't have a cell phone growing up. I didn't have a pager. I didn't have all these things that kids just have at such a young mm. age. Not pagers now, but yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah, they, yeah. they just, they have iPads at young ages and I just never had that. Yeah. I was like, oh, forest, oh, trees, oh, creek, yeah. oh, let's get quiet, you know. But like coming from Denmark, we don't have nature in the same way that you have it in the U.S. Because like our country has been farmed by by people with metal tools and stuff like that for so long. So like everything is agriculture in Denmark or have been it at some point. But here, there's a lot of the land that haven't been like farmed on that big scale level for a long time. So. So for me, I thought I love to come to the U.S. because you can go and hike the mountains and yeah. like and get lost in the forest and like that. But but I was definitely playing in, in the type of nature that we do have in Denmark as yeah. a kid. Yeah. Yeah. 
got all the freedom and all the tools to do so. We, like we build our own little, in our backyard, like we built a, a, the craziest fortress for like over six years, like with two, me and two of my friends and yeah, had two treetop houses connected with a zip line and awesome. a trench around and like awesome. two different underground houses connected with a tunnel and like it was really crazy. But we, we kept working on it until we got like, like until we drank our first beer down there when we were 17 <laughs> or something like, you know? So it was like, yeah, that was like the first world I I, I was building and the yeah. first time I learned that you could build really, really crazy things. So that was kind of like my experience in nature over many years. Yeah. And I think your work also encourages kids to try building things too and try building yeah. things by hand and use their creativity and not be scared to try to create, you know, things that are big scale or even little, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, like we, we do many workshops where children come and build smaller parts of oh. bigger installations. Like, for example, here we've had volunteers. We haven't had children here, but the volunteers here have, for example, been helping making pearls for a necklace for a troll. Oh, cool. And I've done some workshops where we have like maybe a hundred children come in and then all of each children are then told find a, a stick in the forest and then whittle a troll pearl. And then I explain like what is a troll pearl, and then I explain like trolls they don't they don't know the alphabet, they don't know the numbers, they don't know emojis because they don't know humans. Right. So you cannot do anything a human would would uh, would draw or whittle, but everything else you can do. And they're like, how, how do you do that? And then everybody whittles a pearl and puts a hole in the pearl, and that's like a big stick of some kind, and yeah. then that becomes the huge necklace that's of so the troll. Cool. So in this way, I can like break the big project into like smaller pieces and then still have, have all the children make like a really important piece of the big necklace for the troll in the end. Yeah. So that's how I try to encourage, to bring a lot of people with, with that not as high skill level of working with wood in on the project. Yeah. So every piece matters. Yeah. Every little piece. That's so neat. Mm -hmm. And then with your book, I'm very excited about your book. So, yep. um, age range. It's a, I, we've tried to make it in a way so it's both for children and for adults at the same time because it has like different uh, levels to it. And in the story, the, the trolls, they, the trolls, they're like caught in this uh, issue where something is happening in the world. They don't understand what's happening. Then they have to go out and figure out what it is that's happening. And so that like on some level, it's like the climate, yes. climate thing that's happening. But then in the story, it's just some bad guy who wants to take down the forest. And then, so then there's, there's like a lot of levels to it. And then it, the book is called The um, the Journey to the Giant Trolley Foggy Fest, which means, oh, no, yeah, it's that's what it means. But, uh, <laughs> but in the story, it's um, the trolls, they, uh, the, the, the human girl that's a part of the story, she um, thinks that she's on the journey to the big Trolley Foggy Fest with her troll companion because um because they figured out that there is this troll meeting every 211 year that's a magical number that occurs in a sculpture where there's 211 big boulders laying in a circle that one of the trolls has put so then the human girl she thinks that this trolley foggy fist is like a meeting where the trolls and the humans they meet up and um, and and talk together but the trolls, it, but this is in fact a meeting that the trolls they have every 211th year to kind of like have a meeting about how the humans are behaving. 
because the trolls, they live for such a long time. So they know that the humans, they every once in a while, then they come out of place and then they kind of like mess everything up. And then right. that human civilization gets extinct, which has happened multiple times throughout history that there's been a big rise of the civilization. And then those humans have for some reason been extinct. And the trolls, they know this is because the humans have misbehaved. And obviously <laughs> now we are on the 211th year and obviously the trolls, they then need to step in again because now uh, the human race is out of line again and they need to be helped or put in their place. So, yeah. so that's like the setup of the whole, the whole thing. And then if people want to buy your book. And if people want to buy it, it's um, they can buy it on my website, okay. um, which is thomasnambo.com. <laughs> and then, thank you so much. And then... Um, but right now it's just in Danish, but we are translating it to English right now. So I think it will come in like January or something like that. Okay. Yeah. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Books, Kids, and Creations. I know that I did. And this was definitely one of my favorite interviews. I, I love getting out into the woods and I love seeing people who are creating wonderful things to make the world a better place. So um, to learn more about Thomas Danbo, go to his website, www.thomasdanbo.com. Check out his book right now. I know that it's only in Danish, but he's having it translated into English. Um, this book looks phenomenal. It's on his website, thomasdanbo.com. You can also check out all of his sculptures and his work on his Instagram page, Thomas Danbo. Thank you.